This episode of Very Vedic is brought to you by Learn to Let Go, a unique and powerful audio course from Matt and Anna that will help you to let go of whatever's holding you back. For details, go to bondimeditation.com.au slash learn to let go. Hello, Anna. Hello, Matt. How's it going? It's going really good. How are you going? Yeah, good. So much for a shorter break between episodes. That didn't quite work out. I know. Got a bit waylaid. Mm-hmm. But better late than never. Here we are. And um, I'm excited for this one because I know what you want to talk about. But tell everyone at home because um, we spoke about it a while ago. Yep. I want to ask you about the metaverse. I've heard a little bit about it recently. I've just heard it pop up in conversations and on the internet, but I haven't delved into it. So I would love to do that with you today. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So when you mentioned it to me over a month ago now, you told me you wanted to talk about this. And I thought at the time it's a great idea because it's what everyone's talking about. It's the hot topic. But then I realized I didn't actually know what it is. (laughs) I didn't know what the metaverse was. I was very vague on it. So I have done a bit of investigation now and I think I've got my head around it. So from what I can tell, it's a virtual world. So you know those virtual reality headsets people wear when they're playing games. Yes. And you put one on and you go into a virtual 3D world and you have your own avatar, which is like a digital version of you. And you can interact with other people's avatars and other objects in the digital world around you. So up to now, it's mainly been used for games and the worlds have all been separate to each other. But the metaverse is the next stage where more parts of life start getting added in, like socializing and working and and shopping. And all those worlds start to get linked up. So you can move around between them. And that's essentially what the metaverse is going to be. So you'll have an avatar version of yourself and you'll move around in there. And you could go to a Zoom meeting, but it'll be a 3D Zoom meeting. Or you could go to a concert or you could go shopping, say buy some trainers in a virtual shop. And at first, those trainers might still get shipped to your house in the real world. But soon, you might be putting your virtual trainers on your virtual feet, depending on which world and which social life you're starting to value more and which one you want to invest in more. See what I mean? Yes. So I think Nike are already working with with Meta on a Mm. range of virtual trainers. So immediately, you start thinking about The Matrix, the film The Matrix, Mm -hmm. where we all live our whole lives in a digital reality. Um, while our bodies are floating in tanks or something. And we've totally forgotten about real life. And that's not going to happen anytime soon, (laughs) thankfully. I'm talking about all this in the future tense because the metaverse doesn't really exist yet. It's being built at the moment. It's just become the hot topic because Mark Zuckerberg's renamed Facebook Meta. And that's what they're all working on now, along with lots of other companies. Oh, I have so many questions around it and I don't even know where to start. But like, I guess the biggest thing coming up is why? Why are we building it? Yeah, why are we building it? Well, it depends on the perspective we're looking at it from. If we're looking at it from the perspective of the businesses that are actually building it, like Meta, it's a huge business opportunity. 
Mark Zuckerberg and his shareholders know there's a market for an alternate reality and Facebook's falling over. So they want to be the first to market with a good product to make lots of money. So that's why they're building it. But like I say, in order for them to make money out of it, there has to be a market for it. And we are that market, the general public. So the thing to realize is this isn't just Mark Zuckerberg's cognition. He's just a gateway. This is a global cognition. We might personally hate the idea of the metaverse, but the fact is that the human race in general will buy into it. We're increasingly rejecting reality and looking for alternatives. So from the perspective of human beings, it's being built because we want it on some level and because it's part of our karma to go in there. Mm. I haven't experienced much of it, but a few months ago I did put on a headset and went into this really beautiful setting where I was kind of sitting on this bench overlooking a forest and it was actually amazing and particularly because the setting that I was physically in in the real world in Vertecommas um, wasn't necessarily beautiful. <laughs> this this world that I went in was really compelling, and it it actually did something to my nervous system. Like I really felt myself calming down, and I felt myself having a very expanded um, experience in the setting that I was in. I also noticed that by the time I, you know, had to take the headsets off because someone else wanted to use them, there was this feeling of um, like I didn't want it. I didn't want to do it because I wanted to stay in that world and then there was, I guess, I went, ah, oh, this is why it could get quite dangerous because mm. it's kind of more compelling in some ways than the real world. Yeah, there you go. That sums it up in a way that there's that potential to enhance the human experience and help people. But then there's also the risk of not wanting to take the goggles off. The problem with the metaverse isn't so much the technology itself, which is incredible as you experience for yourself and could be used in all sorts of great ways to help people. It's the state of consciousness that's building it because yeah. the dominant state of consciousness today is acquisition consciousness where people believe that happiness can be achieved by acquiring things. So basically, that means that the metaverse is primarily being designed as a way of making money for the businesses that are building it and their shareholders. And that's the conflict of interest. Because the more hours of the day they can keep us in there, the more money they can make out of us. But the worse it will be for our mental and physical health and for the family unit and potentially for society as a whole. That's going to be the main problem, that people will spend too long in there. People are already playing games for 12 hours or more at a time. So imagine if you didn't have to leave for anything apart from maybe eating and sleeping because all your needs were met in there. Mm. You'd maybe stay in even longer. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting to me because, I, like, in my mind I've always paired creation with evolution and how can technology mm. Technology is birthed through creation. So how could it not be evolutionary on some level? Yeah, it is evolutionary. From the Vedic astrology perspective, it's actually evidence that we're moving into the Dwapara Yuga sub-cycle of Kali Yuga. It's like a graduation within Kali Yuga. So this is a more evolved age we're moving into. That's all about technology and communication. But what we're seeing so far is this higher Yuga technology 
to a para yuga technology, but still with lower yuga mind, with the Kali yuga mind. So there's incredible technology coming out, but it's still being put to lower use, like trying to make money and show off and manipulate people rather than solving the world's problems. Okay, so we will not be getting enlightened through the metaverse then. Yeah, it probably won't be the most conducive environment to getting enlightened because that's not what it will be designed for. It will be more of a pleasure palace, more about sensory experiences. Yeah, People will go in there looking for fulfillment, but they won't find it because the senses are insatiable, just like the real world, but more so. The difference between the metaverse and the real world is that the real world is a system designed to get us enlightened. That's what the whole thing's set up to do. It's just one long sequence of lessons leading us to enlightenment sooner or later. But the metaverse will be a synthetic layer inside of that, which cuts us off from that guidance to some degree. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. There'll, There'll be a degree of dissociation from the system that's designed to get us enlightened. Think about it when we get lost sometimes in modern life, like in work, and we feel like we're losing touch with what's important, losing perspective. And we could go to Instagram to try and ground ourselves and get reconnected. But we know that doesn't work. It's part of the problem. But if we go into nature, into a forest or the bush or the sea, for example, there's a wisdom there. And we get that sense of aliveness and reconnection and perspective back. And the metaverse will be like going in the opposite direction, going in the Instagram direction, but even more so, even deeper down the rabbit hole. (laughs) It makes me like sad and frustrated for humanity that we're... We're all searching for the same thing. We're all seeking that satisfaction and fulfillment and even enlightenment. And then we're going into all these weird places to try and find it. It's like we have that initial impulse and then we, we skew it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're looking in the wrong place. You could say in that sense, it's a bit like drugs. Yeah. When you have drugs, you go into the drug looking for transcendence, looking for fulfillment and you access a higher state. And you might get some insights. So we're not saying there's no validity at all to all drug experiences. You might get some insights, but you'll always return back in the same consciousness you entered in. So you mentioned nature before, and, you know, nature obviously has a huge healing capacity for humans being in nature, immersing ourselves in nature. And one of my biggest questions is around nature within the metaverse. Mm. Is it is it inherently cut off from nature? Yeah, that's, that's such a good question. Um, the first thing to realize is that this is part of nature's design. It's not some human being's invention that have sneaked in when nature wasn't looking. It's nature's invention, just like everything else. Yeah. Nature generates these new technologies for the same reason it does everything else to help us evolve. But we could say some things are more natural than others in the sense that they play a harmonious role in the ecosystem, like a tree or a flower or a bee, for example. They can only act in a way which keeps the world in balance, and they all work together in this beautifully orchestrated way to keep everything in balance. They don't have the capacity to act in any other way. But as humans, we do. We can act in a way that helps the ecosystem, or we can act in a way that harms the ecosystem. We can be in dharma, helping, or karma, harming. And when nature expresses itself through the karma of a human being, 
we get things like nuclear weapons or harmful food chemicals or the metaverse, maybe, right? These are more karmic creations and they have a tendency to bring about more destruction. There's a story in the Ramayana, which is an ancient Indian text, where a king called Vishwamitra does a really powerful thousand-year tapas so that he can create his own parallel universe because basically he's not happy with how things are going in the real world. And the gods get very concerned about this because they feel that the real world is getting increasingly strained by the existence of this separate reality. And they beg Vishwamitra to dissolve his universe. They literally say to him, it's unnatural. And if you don't bring it to an end, the whole universe is about to unravel. So he does, and it's all all right. But it's an interesting kind of cautionary tale from hundreds of years ago about the dangers of creating alternate realities and unleashing destruction, basically. And the metaverse will have these destructive tendencies. That's why we'll have to be very careful when we go into the metaverse, very conscious and show a lot of maturity because there'll be a lot of karma in there. There'll be lots of pitfalls and it'll be easy to get trapped karmically. Yes. Yeah. And we've talked about karma before and karma is a way that we evolve, right? But it, yeah. I guess what I'm learning is like we're not going to – it will help us evolve probably because we'll experience our karma in it and have to work through that, but not through any kind of um, like dharmic evolution. Yeah, I think it'll be more karmic evolution. That's a really good way of describing it. It's quite interesting just to think about karma itself in the metaverse because in the real world we have the laws of nature that keep things balanced and evolving. Because that's nature's agenda, to keep things balanced and evolving. But the metaverse won't have that same agenda. It'll be more about commerce, you know, more about making yeah. money. So it'll have its own sets of law to make uh. more money. So it'll have its own kind of fake karma, if you like. It will have its own reward yeah. system. So in the real world, we have karma as our reward system. And it's a perfect system because, as I said, it keeps everything balanced and evolving. But it doesn't always feel very good. Because when the universe corrects us, it can feel horrible, mm. right? And when we do the right thing, we don't always get an obvious reward straight away. So you can see the opportunity here for the operators of the metaverse because they want to make their world enticing. They're not just going to make the world exactly the same as the real world or nobody will yeah. go in there. They want to make it more tempting. So if there was an alternate reality with a more generous reward system where we knew we could have lots of pleasant experiences on tap, and not be corrected all the time, we might go for that. So that's what yeah. they'll give us, which doesn't sound too bad. But the problem is it will throw things off balance. Because if we've just spoon-fed lots of sensory pleasure, there'll be less motivation to be creative. So we'll naturally fall into a pattern of maintenance and we'll become consumers even more than we are now. And as we know, that maintenance will attract more destruction. Yes. And I think it's also important to talk about what we won't experience in that world. I mean, I don't know how far this technology can take us, but I can't see for at least a period of time that we'll be able to experience actual physical touch, like an actual hug. Are these are, are there some things that are there some things that technology just can't get us to? Like, even if they can give us some kind of sensation of getting a hug, we won't actually have the true physical experience of another human body being with you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the metaverse because just on the basic surface level, it should make it easier than ever to connect with people 
wherever they are. It's one of its big advantages. So it's potentially a good thing. And, you know, family Zooms might get a bit more entertaining if they're 3D. Um, But at at the same time, you know, there'll be something missing from that real life connection. There's a risk of general disconnection from each other just because of the nature of interacting online. Just like we saw during the lockdowns, there was a big spike in mental health issues when we couldn't meet up in person and everyone was on Zoom. And I think you're right. I don't think a 3D Zoom is going to change that much. There'll still be that lack of real human connection with all the hormones and pheromones and real touch that we need. Yeah. And also with nature, like we, you know, you go to a park and you touch the grass and you, you inherit some of that microbiome, for example, or, or you, you, minerals. We won't be able to truly experience that in that world, will we? Yeah, that's really interesting. There'll be a mimicking of the sensations. They'll be able to provide electrical impulses to give us some of the sensations. But the point you make is a really good one. Realistically, there'll always be missing ingredients. Because we've got to remember, we're talking about human beings and their computers versus the infinite creative intelligence of pure consciousness. That's the difference in processing power. And it leads into another part of this discussion, which I'm really interested in, which is, will we miss anything if we lose the physical world, if we lose the physical body? And you made a couple of good points there about minerals and microbiome. Because in a way, it seems like a a very Vedic idea, doesn't it? Because we're all consciousness and everything's consciousness. And ultimately, everything's a hologram anyway. So couldn't we just take the body out of the mix and plug our consciousness straight into the metaverse without losing anything? There have been a few films already where human consciousness is uploaded into a computer when the body dies. But actually, it seems like we need the body. Because the human body is central to human experience. Every consciousness state has a corresponding neurological state. And that's physical. And the neurological state determines the kind of experience we have. So we can't actually leave out the body altogether. And even if we are floating in a salt tank with something plugged into the back of the neck or whatever it was they do in the matrix, the body's still playing a role. It's an interesting part of nature's design that even if we're floating off into a new digital reality, it looks like we'll always be tethered back to this physical world by the body. It feels like there'll be this greater center of gravity karmically here in the real world because the physical body plays that key role in our karma. Yeah, interesting. And it also makes me wonder about this creation of an avatar. Mm -hmm. I think there's something in a sense of freedom that people experience or think we will experience when we're in a different body that's not our own. It's not actually that we just step outside of our own body, say, but we're entering into a new one, whether mm. that's real or not. It is for that for that period of time that you're in that virtual reality that is real. That idea of avatar identity, which you're getting into there, is really interesting. I think it's got pros and cons. Um, you know, on one level, we're going to behave badly in our avatars just because of the nature of interacting online. And you already see all the bad behavior on the internet. 
And that's because there is that disconnection. You don't have to look at the person you're abusing, say, because they're hidden behind the screen. And so are you. Yeah. And also it's so hard to police the online space. Yes. It's pretty much impossible. So there aren't really the same social consequences as there are in the real world. You just need to look at Facebook and how they can't seem to clamp down on the hate speech. So there is that risk that the more time we spend in there, the more we'll lose that real life connection and kind of dehumanize each other in our avatar identities. So that's, that's the kind of, I suppose, the dark side or the downside. But on the other side, there's that leveling of the playing field. So you're not trapped by the genetics of how you look that you're born with. Yeah. So this could actually lead to deeper connections, even romantically. When we're looking for a partner, you know what it's like. It's very easy to get distracted by how someone looks and maybe even overlook a deeper connection you might have with someone else because they're less physically attractive to you. But if we can all choose our own avatars, that might get rid of that problem because how we look is going to become much less important if we can just change it whenever we want. Yeah, okay. So then suddenly connections are all that matters and we can just choose each other based on the connection and then change our avatars to please each other. Sure. But then you don't actually get to meet them in real real life to be able to do anything about that experience of connection. No, but that will all be possible in the metaverse. So sexual interaction will be possible. And that's where the transhumanism idea comes in, where human bodies start to blend with technology and interact with technology in a physical sense. Can you, can you talk more about that? Yeah. So transhumanism is where technology is used to increase human capabilities, Mm -hmm. like increasing strength, giving you robot arms, increasing sensory perception, improving health, those kind of things. It's a way of blending the technology with the human body. And it certainly fits into the Dwapara Yuga story where technology plays a bigger and bigger role in human life. So it might be used as a way of spending longer in the metaverse. You know, you might be given a a metal arse. What am I trying to say here? Um, So the metaverse will be software. It's the software, it's the worlds that you inhabit. But there'll be hardware involved as well in the metaverse. And the hardware will be the computers that run the software. But there'll also be um, things which stimulate the human body in certain ways. So you can have a full sense of experience. You'll be in a full immersion bodysuit, which will be giving you all sorts of tingles and feelings to make it a very real feeling experience. So the end game is to make the digital or virtual experience indistinguishable from the real world. Oh, oh no, I didn't know this part of it. Yeah, yeah, this is the matrix part. This is where you're floating in the tank in the warehouse, forgotten all about real life. Right, okay. Oh, no. (laughs) This makes me want to go and run into nature and just live a very simple existence. Do you think that's natural? Do you think that's normal? I I think, like, you know, at these points in time where we kind of head more into technology uh there are some people actually uh, there's going to be a whole collective that that are going to want to do the opposite like i see a Mm. fork in the road where some people go fully into that matrix and then other people go you know what i want to just live in nature in the quiet with my family and have a fire every night and forage for my food yeah that's the instinctive reaction isn't it Uh, i think for a lot of us just resist 
and hold off as long as we can and hope it will go away. And that's definitely an option, but it does look like it's going to be unavoidable eventually. We could try and run away from it into a cave in the Himalayas. But as someone in India said to me the other day, you go to a cave in the Himalayas these days and there's a mobile phone in there. There's a Baba in there listening mm. to mantras on his phone. It's very hard to escape technology in the world today. And this will be the same. Yeah. It makes me think of these friends I've got who are totally, or they were totally committed to keeping their kids off screens for as long as possible. No phones, no iPads, no internet. And the school supported them and helped them with that. And it was all going really well. And then COVID came along and the lockdowns. And the kids were on the computers for hours every day doing their schoolwork. It seems to get you in the end. Sure. How many people do you know who never go on the internet? I don't. I don't know anyone. It's only the hardcore, really, these yeah. days, or the very old. And this is going to be the same. Before you know it, you'll have to mm. go in there for something. You'll have to go in there for your citizenship ceremony or sure. someone you love's birthdays, you know, in another so, country or something. Yeah. I suppose that for me it's about, like, exploring our own responsibility and and the sovereignty that we do have um within that world so you know it going okay well I guess it's coming for us mm-hmm. you used the word being mature before I think that that's a great word like just keeping a check on ourselves and going what in it am I choosing to interact with what kind of parts of this technology what world am I um immersing myself into because there's going to be a whole lot of different worlds within the metaverse, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. It's not going to be this one great big empire overseen by one central government. It's not going to be meta running everything. There'll be lots of businesses which will all have their own virtual worlds in there. And they'll all have their own communities who they want to keep happy because they're their customers. So in that sense, it'll probably be quite democratic. And the worlds will be shaped to some extent by their own communities. It might sound totally counterintuitive, but I actually think that rather than pretending it's not happening and hoping it will go away, it might actually be better to get in there and have a look around and get involved earlier, Mm. learn how it works, what it's like to be in there. And that way we'll have a better chance of influencing it and helping to shape it. And and we we can understand the dangers better. And the more we understand those dangers, the more we'll be able to help other people and prevent them getting lost in there. Yeah. So that sounds like a total embrace to me. Yeah. And also using it for good, because there'll be things that will do really well. Dwapara Yuga is all about transcending limitations imposed on knowledge by space and time. That's its highest expression, which we haven't talked about. So it has the potential to spread knowledge in a whole new way. And we want to harness that. I think in the Western world, it passes by a lot of us. It passed me by definitely. How many more people got access to an education for the first time because of the internet? But in India, for example, particularly outside of the big cities, it was the first time a lot of people got access to any kind of education. And the metaverse will build on this. So it should be great for education because it can be a more immersive, engaging experience. So imagine you're in your boring old history class, but you're not. You're now actually in the streets of ancient Rome, for example. See what I mean? Experiencing all of it and then really engaging and getting a feel for what it was like to live then. So it could be great for education for one thing. Yeah, totally. And, you know, before you talked about that we can, like, transcend our aesthetic in that world, I think there's also something to be said about people can transcend their physical, the the physical world that they're in. And and some people, 
you know, aren't born in such lucky worlds, physical realities. And to then to be able to, you know, go into that world and go traveling, maybe someone who would never experience going traveling, never experience going overseas, um, never experience some kind of luxurious setting, they're going to be able to do that, which could create more sense of equality. Is that the word? Equality. Yeah, I think there'll be a degree of that. And that's what I was getting at with the kind of democratizing of education. And your example of virtual travel is another really good one. But if we think materialism and separation won't be there in the metaverse, we need to think again. Because there's scarcity algorithms Uh. that are already being invented. That's what NFTs are. You know, the NFTs and, and Nike already designing its virtual reality trainers. So I think maybe the idea that there won't be any kind of class system in there might be a bit idealistic. Because I, I think there'll probably be different worlds with different levels of refinement of experience, just like the real world. You know, there'll be VIP sections, I imagine. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I have another question, which is a little bit different. Because um, I was thinking about it this morning, like, I had a really lovely morning in nature, actually, went for a swim. And I was thinking, why would I want to experience this, say, in the metaverse? like going for a swim in the metaverse, say. And the thought that came up was, oh, because I would be more in control potentially. Mm. Or, or not I would be more in control. I would be in a more controlled environment and there would be not a looming fear of death. You know, it's true that we will be in more controlled environments. We could go do these extravagant dangerous like adventures like hitchhiking or skydiving or something like that minus a looming fear of death right yeah but the question is is the looming fear of death or at least some discomfort an important part of the experience yeah for example we could make the the sea down at bondi really warm so it's easier to go into in the metaverse, yeah. but would you miss the bracing refreshment of having to crack through, you know, the icy water at the beginning? Yes. And is that a part of the experience? So we could end up controlling the experience to make everything more comfortable, but missing a range of experiences as a result. Maybe I've never really thought about this, but like I, you know, I go surfing a lot and, and go swimming. Like we'll usually try and catch big waves even when I'm swimming and I've I've never thought that maybe a part of that enlivening sensation that I get is that there is that kind of like you don't know what's going to happen. You you know, being exposed to something more powerful than yourself is enlivening. Yeah, ultimately, the biggest fulfillment comes from the greatest surrender. And the more we try to control an experience, the less fulfilling it becomes. We can't control our way into fulfillment. Mm. So the laws of nature won't necessarily exist in the metaverse. The laws of nature do still exist. They're still governing things because the metaverse is still a layer of the relative world. So it's still subject to the laws of nature. For example, karma or creation, maintenance and destruction. What we'll see in the metaverse is this synthetic layer It's like a kind of sleeve of reality where there's an attempt to distort those laws of nature, but there'll still be an overarching law of nature, which affects it. 
in the ways we described earlier. So on one level, it seems like we're gaming karma. We've hacked karma. Say you were born with a certain physical disadvantage. You could go into the metaverse and choose an avatar that doesn't have that physical disadvantage. But there was an evolutionary purpose to that disadvantage, as there is with everything. So karma will come in there and get you in the end and find a different way to challenge you. Okay, so it it will come in there and get you. Can you just give an example of what that might look like? That sounds terrifying, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, let's say that you go in there and you find this little corner of the metaverse that you love. And you're like, I found a way to avoid uncomfortable experiences in life because I can just go and inhabit this world where everyone's really nice to me, everyone's attracted to me, and I don't need to challenge myself. That feels like you've cracked it. No more karma. But meanwhile, the laws of creation, maintenance, and destruction are still operating. And if you stay in your chair too long, you're going to find that your physical health starts to deteriorate. Yes. And you're going to find that any kind of real world social relationships starts to disintegrate, maybe the family unit. It's going to provide diminishing returns. Yeah. Because ultimately we'll become even less fulfilled in the metaverse. There's this utopian idea they're trying to sell us that it will make it easy to have amazing experiences and that will make us all happier. But that's not really how it works. Let's say there's a world you can go into in the metaverse when it really gets going, where you can have the experience of being on stage, performing with your favorite band to a huge audience, and you're in a full immersion virtual reality suit, which gives you the whole sensory experience. Sounds all right, doesn't it? Sounds great. Yeah, it might be a bit of fun, a bit of a thrill, but you'd almost certainly find it wasn't fulfilling in the end because karma would make sure of it. Because weird as it sounds, real fulfillment doesn't actually come from experiences themselves, no matter how intense they are and how many of them you manage to squash together. Just ask anyone who's won the lottery and tried to do that. It comes from being in touch with your Mm. dharma, doing what you're here to do and making a contribution Mm. to others. We want our life to have meaning. Without that thread of dharma, it will always feel like something's missing. Yeah. And what comes to my mind is like, if you've had that peak experience of being on stage with your favorite band performing in front of say thousands of people, what happens when you take the headset off? Yeah. Real life will find it very hard to compete with that. So you'll need increasingly intense experiences with diminishing returns. And again, this is the karmic setup to show you that ultimately there won't be any fulfillment in something that's just derived from the senses. What keeps coming up for me in this conversation is like, we, we can't escape ourselves. We can run, but we can't hide. <laughs> yes, yeah, spot on. Um, because there's nothing really out there coming to get us. It's all in here. We are the laws of nature. So there's no getting away from it, I'm afraid. Yes. So moving along, we've, we talk about love quite a lot. I feel like that's a consistent thread throughout a lot of our podcasts. and. And I do wonder if there's a potential where we could bring our love and our hearts fully into this world and into this next venture. What what do you say about that? Yeah, we'll be able to do all that. Our soul will be there. And like you say, we can't run away from it. And our heart will be there and they won't be going anywhere. And you don't need to be in the same physical space as someone else to fall in love with them. Lots of people fall in love from a distance already. 
You've got to remember what love is. It's consciousness communicating with consciousness and recognizing itself in the other. So space isn't a barrier. Yeah? People fall in love just writing letters to each other. Mm. And we like to romanticize letters and say, oh, that's true love. But realistically, the metaverse will be a much better way of people getting to know each other than a letter, much more intimate. So the metaverse won't spell the end of love. I'm sure there'll be lots of love affairs in there. That was wonderful. I have lots to think about. And I'm also left with a kind of sense of, I think coming into this, I was feeling really um, on high alert about the metaverse and only thinking kind of negative things about it. But I'm, I feel more of a sense of like a budding curiosity and openness to it. Yeah, I think that's really important. There's always karma and always dharma. There's going to be a lot of karma in there, but there will be a dharmic path through it. There has to be, there always is, and it's going to be our job to find it. Mm, wonderful. That's a really positive note to end on, I feel. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to all these podcast episodes. Um, hopefully we'll see you for a fourth series sometime. I daren't say soon. Lots of love and Jay Gurudev. <laughs> thank you, Jay Gurudev. If you're enjoying these very Vedic podcasts, the best way you can support us is by either tapping the stars or leaving us a short review in Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate that. <laughs>